0: Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad
1: Labrie and Drew Klingler. What's up, everybody? Real quick before we start the show. If you go down to the description or the show notes for this podcast episode, there's a link and that's going to send you to a page that you can download our free ebook on. This ebook is really good. Brad wrote it and it covers everything that you need to know about house hacking in a very structured order so you can put all the pieces together. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome to House
0: Hacking Success. You're here for episode number two. I'm your host, Brad Lillibre, with my co-host, Drew. How
1: are you doing today, Drew? Brad, I'm doing amazing. Looking forward to this episode. Last episode was really good. We got to hear about your story, how you got started, and all the success that you've seen in this episode. We're going to get into the weeds about house hacking.
0: Absolutely. And we're so excited uh, to grow this community and this podcast and provide valuable information to each and every one of you, bring on superior guests, just people that are unique and doing this. Uh, We have people that are house hacking on lakes. We have people that are house hacking in big cities. We have people house hacking, uh, whether they're in the NFL or NHL or or whatever it is. We, we just have pe- unique people around the country house hacking and living for free and growing their wealth over time. And we're so excited to share that with you.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to it. I mean, the guests we bring on, we learn something from them every single time. Uh, I always learn something new. So I know the listeners are going to learn something new.
0: Absolutely. So let's start out today. We're talking about the ultimate benefit of house hacking, which is attempting to live for free. Depending on your market, Uh, If you're in sort of the average American market, you're probably uh, the average home is probably somewhere between two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand. If you're on the coast or a more expensive market, you're probably the average house is probably somewhere from, you know, a half million to one point five million. But no matter where you're at, the average American spends somewhere between 30 to 40 percent of their budget on housing expenses. And so obviously, if you're in a more expensive area, you're closer to 40% or more. Uh, If you're in sort of the median market, you're sort of more towards the 30%. But either way, that is a ginormous amount of money uh, to be spending on housing. And so there are a lot of people out there like Dave Ramsey, for instance, or or, uh, the other pundits in personal finance that'll talk a lot about minimizing your expenses at Starbucks or limiting your, your entertainment expenses. And there's some merit to some of those things. But when you, if you were to add up the cost of buying Starbucks every single day, you might be looking at, you know, one, two, three, four 4% of your total budget being spent on coffee. And while that, you know, that can obviously save a little bit of money over time, that doesn't even come close to minimizing your fixed. Easiest way to, to kind of formulate this is that you have fixed expenses like like your house, uh, like your car, like car insurance, right? These things that that are act- that are usually fixed to an American budget. Then you have variable expenses. You're talking about coffee. Uh, you're talking about going to concerts and entertainment, going to sporting events, these sorts of things. And so most Americans and most pundits have you focus on the variable expenses like coffee and car insurance and, or in uh, you know things of that nature where we want to take your mindset and focus on the variable or the fixed expenses. And the biggest fixed expenses is housing. So we're going to kind of walk through the benefits of house hacking with that in mind, that our goal is to save you 30%. And if you put that, if you're somebody that's into numbers, if you put 30% savings over a 10 year period, you would be absolutely blown away with what you can do. And no matter if you take that extra savings and you put it in the stock market, or you take it and you go to – you travel the world more or you go to more concerts or you go to more sporting events or you're like Drew and you're a professional bowler. No matter what you choose to do with those savings, that is your personal money. And, and My Money or My Life is an incredible uh, book which talks about life energy. And so whatever gives you energy, we want to help you to do more of. And so we feel like the greatest way to do that is through house hacking, that savings you can put into whatever it is that gives you more life energy.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's, let's talk about that down payment. Cause you know, a lot of people think it's 20% down to buy a rental property, right? But when you're house hacking and you make it your primary residence, um, you don't have to pay 20% down. You can pay as little as 0% down, depending on what loan you're going to do. There's a lot of loans that will let you do 0% down. We can talk about FHA, which does three and a half percent down. And if you look at, I know there's a lot of people listening that are probably in expensive markets like LA and New York area. But if you look at like houses around the Midwest, you can find duplexes, you can find single families for $200,000. And if you're going to put three and a half percent down on that, that's $7,000, $7,000 plus closing costs. So, I mean, let's say it takes, you know, 10 to $12,000 for you to close on a $200,000 property. You know, you might be looking at that like, okay, well, I don't have 12 grand laying around, but What's what's twenty percent of two hundred thousand? That's forty thousand dollars, and That's- if you don't have twelve grand laying around, you don't have forty thousand laying around. So, and think about how much longer it would take to get to that twenty percent. Um, if you can get into a rental property, if you can get into a house hack sooner than you could save up twenty percent just to buy a cash flowing rental, um, you're gonna have that early benefit of living for free. Um, and, and the thing is, like Brad was talking about this just a minute ago. You know, like Dave Ramsey and all the other uh, financial gurus talk about, you know, cutting out like expenses of things that you enjoy, like Starbucks, entertainment, uh, things like that. Now, maybe that's a sacrifice that you have to make for six months or a year just to save up for your down payment. But then once you get that down payment and you buy that house and you start house hacking and you cut out your living expense completely... You can bring those things that you enjoy back into your life. And it's a very temporary sacrifice compared to doing it over 15, 20 years like a lot of these guys talk about.
0: Yeah, and it's the snowball or the rocket effect, right? They talk about the fact that the first mile of rocket takeoff uses about 95% of the fuel they have on board for a rocket. Why? Because it takes so much energy To get off the ground same thing with the snowball effect right we're all familiar with it you start with a small little snowball and it's really small and it goes really slow but by the time you build momentum it becomes this massive downhill avalanche of a snowball going down the side of a cliff right it's the same thing with this it takes a lot of energy a lot of discipline and oftentimes a lot of delayed gratification To be able to get that ball rolling as far as saving money and house hacking and coming up with that down payment like you talked about. But you get the down payment, you get into the property. Let's say your rent used to be a thousand dollars a month. Now you're saving a thousand dollars in the first year you've returned yourself that entire, uh, you know, that that entire down payment just by house hacking. Right. And and we're not saying that there are no expenses involved with house hacking. Occasionally, you know, water heater goes out and things like that. So you're going to save some of that. But you can see how if you were to do that for a couple of years, like two to 10 years, whatever that looks like for you, or you buy more and more properties, you can see how that snowball gets becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And to where uh, once you get to a certain point, you can start buying properties for 20% down where you don't have to move. Um, but it just gets the ball rolling. It keeps uh, a smaller amount of cash in, involved. Um, you know, your cash on cash return, which, again, we, we'll, we're going to go through kind of the ways to analyze properties. But if you're looking at putting 20% down versus 3.5% down, your cash on cash return, meaning how quickly the money is going to come back to you in year number one, is going to be dramatically bigger because you're putting much less money down. So uh, just a lot of benefits to house acting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the time that it would take you to save twenty percent down, think about how many properties you could have. And it's not even just that savings rate, it's a savings rate after you house hack. So, you know, it takes you a year to get that first house hack. What happens when you get in that first house hack? You're living for free. So now your savings rate, I mean, you know, depending on where you live in the US, rent is gonna vary. But let's say you're paying, you know, a thousand dollars for rent. That's twelve grand extra in your pocket. You know, that's gonna be enough to get you into another house hack. That's going to be enough to get you into another house hack after that. You know, two, three, four years down the road, all of a sudden you have three cash flowing rental properties in the time that it would have took you to save up that 20% down payment.
0: Now that we've sort of talked about the down payment, let's talk a little bit about the financing options you have out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so obviously there's traditional conventional Uh, which, generally speaking, if you're trying to attempt to buy a duplex, is probably going to be about 5% down. Um, FHA, which we talked about, which is 3.5% down. Uh, But there are also options beyond that. So we're going to bring someone on who house hacked uh, in just outside of Boston with a USDA loan, which is a rural development loan. Um, It's not as rural as you think. From Metro Detroit, which is the market that I am in, you're in Grand Rapids. From downtown Metro Detroit, You're talking 35 to 45 minutes outside of there, you can begin to use a rural development loan. Grand Rapids, you're talking about 30 minutes outside of Grand Rapids, you can start to use Mm -hmm. um, a rural development loan. So just outside of the major cities, you can put 0% down to do these. If you're a veteran, VA loans, we're gonna bring a a veteran specialist on the show. And uh, VA loans, 0% down. Uh, You can do a VA renovation loan. So you can actually do a a renovation with the 0% down. Lots of options. Uh, Those are, you know, government backed programs that allow you to put those low down payments in there. Um, there's non-traditional financing, like hard money, private money, seller financing, right? There are a lot of options out there, uh, where you want to go with financing. But the biggest thing is, is, is realizing that you can save roughly 30 to 40% of your budget every month house hacking and, and finding the right people to, to get, help guide you through the process. Uh, financing is crucial, And again, Rock stars hang with rock stars, so finding a great mortgage guy or a real estate agent will be able to plug you in with the other and help you formulate a great plan on financing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a there's a ton of options for financing, and there's even down payment assistant programs, depending on where you're at. Before we talk about you know, finding the right real estate agent and right lender, um, let's talk about what kind of properties you can house hack um because you can do a lot of different properties and there's a lot of different ways that you can house hack in those properties. You know, starting off, I mean, you can do it in a single family home. You can rent by the bedroom. Uh, you can do individual leases per bedroom. You can Airbnb those rooms. Uh, Craig Curlop from Bigger Pockets, he's going to come on the show. He lived behind a curtain in like his living room and rented out the extra rooms and he was cash flowing because of that and he made that sacrifice. So he could get to where he's at today. Um, so there's a lot of options and there's a, you can kind of choose your sacrifice in a sense because you can go to a duplex and a duplex is going to be pretty comfortable to live in. Um, and you can choose to maybe you rent out the extra rooms in your unit and rent out the other unit. Or you keep the unit to yourself and you just run out the extra unit. Typically, duplexes don't cash flow, but they bring down your living expenses significantly still. And you get to be more comfortable. Brad does that. I do that. Um, it's a lot more comfortable when you have wives. It's a lot more comfortable when you have kids or a family. And uh, that's a great option for that demographic. And then you can you know, start looking at triplexes and uh, quadplexes. But you can't really go over a quadplex because anything between one to four units is considered residential, and then the financing is going to get a little bit different when you get to the triplexes and quadplexes. Uh, a lot of people, you should probably look at like FHA loans because they let you buy multi-units. But trying to get a conventional on a three to four unit is probably going to be pretty difficult and require more than 5% down. But there's other ways to finance that too. Uh, Brad did a 203K loan, which is a form of an FHA loan on a triplex.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, again, 203K is for renovations. Um, so mine was a, a complete gut. Uh, you know, all new HVAC, all new electrical, all new plumbing, um, just, you know, all new drywall, things of that nature. So the FHA 203k loan gave me the money from the bank to be able to do that renovation. And again, all I had to put down was 3.5%. So um, lots of options. Renovation loans are fantastic. Uh, there are renovation loans for conventional, there's FHA, there's VA, um, there's there's just a lot of products out there for renovations. Um, and again, get with your get with your, um, mortgage guy or, or girl to be able to do that. Um, but again, it can come in a lot of different ways. Like you said, there are people, for instance, that I just helped as an agent, a doctor, which doctor specific, uh, loans have zero percent down where what he's going to do, it's a, a three bedroom, two and a half bath, uh, condo. He's going to convert the basement into a fourth bedroom and a third bathroom. Uh, he's going to live down in the basement and he's going to rent individually to the other doctors in residence at his hospital. <laughs> and he's going to cash flow almost $2,000 a month by doing that. right? Uh, and so it's a $200,000 condo, uh, relatively manageable um, you know, mortgage payment. And the, what he can charge for people in residence in a great condo like that is significant. So um, lots of ways to be able to do it. It doesn't have to be the traditional way. Uh, getting with investor-friendly agents, I think is the best way to be able to open your mind to what's What's possible within your area? Contact us. Um, we can potentially put you in, in, you know, in a position with some of the agents that we know. We know agents in Austin, California, Florida, New York. Right. No matter where you're at, we probably know someone that we can refer you to to help get the ball rolling for you. Uh, but lots of possibilities. It doesn't have to be traditional way. Renting by the bedroom is fantastic. Um, mother-in-law suites, ADUs out on the coast are becoming. Uh, you know, very popular where where you either convert a garage or you build a, a second dwelling on the property to be able to rent it out and pay for your mortgage. Um, so lots of possibilities.
1: Yeah, a ton of possibilities. I mean, so think about it. Like, do you want to do a big renovation? Do you want to move in ready property? Um, you know, do you want it to be a single family? Do you want a multi-unit? And start to think about and mold over like what style of house hack that you want to do and then you want to start working with a real estate agent, an investor friendly real estate agent, like Brad said. And Brad, as a real estate agent, how would you advise that they find someone who is investor friendly? Because one thing about the real estate agent is they're hand through that whole process. Like you can make the decision on what you want to do, but maybe, you know, if you're not comfortable or you don't know how to buy a house or you never bought a house before, you don't know how to find a lender, real estate agent is going to help you with all of that. Let
0: me preface it with this. I think. Uh, a good real estate agent is absolutely invaluable. We talk a little bit about mentorship. I think the ultimate mentor uh, when you're first getting started, if you don't have an actual mentor, is that real estate agent, a good real estate agent, good investor-friendly real estate agent. As we talked on uh, the first episode, I lost every penny in my first deal. I did it alone. I didn't have a great mentor and I lost ten to $15,000 because of it, right? If you get yourself a great real estate agent who becomes a friend, um, you know they can massively... Help you. I mean, they can show you the demographics where, you know, where appreciation is happening at the fastest rate, where the path of progress is going in your area. Uh, the best way to do it, show you all kinds of different asset classes, condos, uh, single family rent by the bedroom, duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes, all the different variables. He can, he, you know, he or she will be able to help you with that. Um, and so, in my opinion, as a real estate agent, I would say 80 to 90% of real estate agents don't actually own any rental properties or any form of, of investment, uh, which is sort of sad for the industry, but the, most of them don't. So I think the easiest way to find somebody who is actually investor friendly is to call the local real estate offices, talk to the manager of that office and say who is actually uh, buying you know, rental properties or flips, who's the actual investor within the office. They'll give you that person's number uh, and then you go ahead and you call that person. So you might get three or four different contacts from there. And from there, you can interview the three or four investor friendly uh, real estate agents and find the one that, that fits your needs the best. Um, and that's a quick and easy way to do that. DM us. Uh, if you're in Metro Detroit area, that's where I am. Uh, contact me. If you're in a different market, contact us. We might have an agent to be able to put you in, in play with. But that is a great way to quickly find a great real estate agent. And they're the ultimate mentors because you don't pay them. The seller is paying uh, the commission for you, and you and you gain that advice and wisdom. So, when there are so many variables that you're probably not going to think about, that a good agent will be able to see the big picture while you you know while you're dealing with the minutia. So, uh, real estate agents are fantastic early on in your career, and and you know, I mean, uh, that's the best way to find them.
1: Yep, and they're going to get you to a lender. They're going to find you a lender that can help you out. And just so you know, like you don't have to just talk to just one lender. You can talk to other lenders. Um, Sometimes lenders can't do something that another lender can do. Um, I've talked to lenders who will not do anything lower than 15% down on a duplex uh, when it comes to conventional loans. But if you find the right lender, they'll let you do 5% down. So it really just depends on what they can do. So it's okay to talk to a couple different lenders uh, depending on your goals.
0: And if you if you find yourself in a position where you can't find the right lender for your particular situation, I would contact a real estate agent first because they Mm -hmm. generally I mean, I deal with several a dozen different lenders um, and, you know, each lender, again, has specialties within their industry. And so if you talk to an agent, you know, they will have two or three different lenders that they work with because each one uh, as a as their preferred lender, because each one has a different specialty right? And one might be really good at new construction. One might be really good with multifamily. One might be really good with, you know, whatever it is, VA loans or, or whatever FHA. Uh, and they should be able to plug you in with somebody that has the ability to close a 3.5% down duplex for you.
1: Yeah. So after you got the lending lockdown, you got a real estate agent and you're making offers on houses, um, you're going to have to start finding tenants. And one thing that you really need to know is your state laws, your tenant landlord laws. These are super easy to find. It's a simple Google search. We're in Michigan. So if I just go on Google and I type in Michigan tenant landlord laws, there is a PDF guide on all the laws that you need to know as a tenant and as a landlord, and it's put out by the state of Michigan. Uh, most states that I've looked up have this. I haven't found a state that doesn't have this. So look into that, try to find that guide, read it over, make sure you understand those laws. And then when you go to start finding tenants, you're going to want a very good lease. Uh, there's a couple different places that you can go to get a lease. Uh, you can go to Bigger Pockets, they sell leases that are state specific. Or you can go to a website called eforms.com, which actually has a lot of customizable leases. I know for a fact that it has really good rent by the bedroom um, leases, and if you go there, it's gonna make it state specific. But you're gonna want to make sure that you have good leases for your tenants. Um, how you choose to do those leases, you can do month to month, you can do uh, one year leases, or you can you can do Airbnb. Um, if you're gonna do Airbnb, you know you're gonna want to make sure the property is furnished. Uh, we're gonna have people that come on and talk about Airbnb, um, and they're gonna talk about you know the benefits and. Strategies behind that. When you go to find your tenants, you know, one thing you really, really want to focus on is understanding those laws and you want to screen your tenants. Your tenant quality is going to be a reflection of your screening process. If you have a crappy screening process, you're probably not going to get great tenants. Um, If you have a really good screening process, you're going to get great tenants and you're not going to take on that risk. Um, You know, you hear all these landlord horror stories of, Tenants are uh, destroying a house when they leave and ripping it apart and costing you tons of money. It really shouldn't be a problem if you have a good screening process.
0: So there's a couple ways to go about uh, screening. Of course, initially, um, we have a set of questions that we ask a questionnaire before they come out to the property. Uh, but then beyond that, when you find somebody that you want to move in, there are a few ways to go about it. Um, one of the ways that, that we recommend is TransUnion has a great, it's called My Smart Move. Um, and so for $40, which is a cost generally to the tenant, you can pay it if you want, but generally we uh, pass that along to the tenant. Um, that, that collects their, their financial background. So it'll show you anything that they have in collections, um, their, their credit history, uh, things of that nature. So you can get a sense of, do they pay their bills on time? Uh, it'll also do a criminal background check. It'll also do a finance, as far as like income background check, um, and it'll give you a rating as to whether they think you should accept them or decline them. Um, so that is a great first step. Beyond that, you're going to want to verify their income. So you want to call their employer and verify that they've worked there. You want to you're going to want to call past landlords and uh, make sure that you know they have not destroyed the property. Uh, it's also on that report going to say whether they've gotten evicted or not. Um, so if somebody has been evicted, I mean that is a red flag. Why is it? I mean if it was a long time ago. Um, you know, you can then determine whether or not it's something that you want to work with, um, whether they've been evicted or if they've uh, filed for bankruptcy. Like that will 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 get all of that information for you. There's also landlord associations, local landlord associations. So you could become a member. Uh, and my local uh, landlord association, it's $25 for them to do that. So you know, there are a lot of great resources for you to be able to do third-party background checks on your tenants. So, that you don't have to do all that work and figure all that out. Uh, And TransUnion is a great way to go about doing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, make sure that you're doing this for every tenant that's going on the lease. Don't do it just for the one tenant that, um, you know, maybe comes to the showing. You know, they say, I got a buddy, you know, who's going to sign the lease with me. Well, they got to go through the screening process as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because you want to know exactly who you have in your properties. You don't want to have issues, Um, you know, especially if you have. Uh, you know, a three unit to where you have multiple tenants. If you have great tenants, there's nothing worse to a great tenant than having a bad tenant, you know, above them or or beside them, right? That's causing a lot of issues. Uh, Maybe, you know, they're smelly or, or, you know, they don't clean up or whatever it is. Um, You know, if you have a really good tenant and then a really bad tenant because you didn't screen correctly, the good tenant's going to leave, right? And that's how you turn a good asset into the bad asset, is, you know, bad tenants attract bad tenants uh, and the cycle progresses in a downward spiral. So you want to make sure you're thorough. um, And if you're thorough, that means that you are treating everyone fairly and providing good quality housing. One of the reasons why we're such big proponents of house hacking is that most traditional investors neglect their properties as far as long term deferred maintenance, right? You're going to buy the properties, probably have deferred maintenance. Well, if you're a house hacker, you live there and you kind of uplift the neighborhood in the property. Which is going to attract better tenants that're going to want to live there. so you want to do your your job and thoroughly uh, making sure that this is going to be a good tenant for the community, uh, for the house as a, as a whole, so that you attract good tenants in all the units and and especially even further if you're doing rent by the bedroom, right? I mean that that would be even more uh, invasion of privacy as far as like having a good tenant that wants to leave if there's a bad tenant. So you want to make sure that they're clean, um, that they take care of everything, that they're respectful. Uh, things of that nature so that you really have a good long-term situation at your properties.
1: Yeah, especially like what you said, right by the bedroom. I mean, they're going to be sharing the living room, the kitchen. Um, There might be some rules that you want to put in that lease um, as far as living space or shared space rules and quiet hours, um, things along those lines to make sure that people are going to get along. And then, you know, beyond that, after you place someone
0: in there, you want to budget for deferred maintenance issues, you know, like Water, you know, you want to make sure you're caulking around all water areas, whether it's the sink, uh, the toilets, the the showers uh, in your units. You don't want to have water seepage get in and ruin areas, cause mold, uh, damage, you know, wood materials, um, things like that. I mean, you want to make sure that you're keeping up with the property uh, long term. It'll again attract better clients, um, Mm -hmm. and it's it's generally speaking relatively inexpensive to just go in there and caulk a tub rather than needing to tear it all apart. Uh, down the road and redoing it, right? That can get very expensive.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Definitely take care of your properties.
0: A small budget can can help you do that long term. Um, you're talking about whether you do it yourself, it can be very minimal, or you know, hundred dollars every few months to send somebody out there to caulk and seal all the uh, water protrusion areas around the house.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about it now. You know, let's say you're in the house hack. Um, you got tenants. Everything's going great. You're living for free. Well, maybe you want to buy another house. So, you know, you have the option, you can go buy another house hack, uh fill that one up and keep the other one as a cash flowing rental. But one thing that you have to look out for is that you got to live there for a year. Um when you do an owner occupied loan, you're committing to that house being your primary residence for a year. And we have a lot of people that ask us like, "Well, what couldn't I just say that I'm going to live there and like change my address but not actually live there?" And it's like that that's fraud, right? Like we're not going to advise anybody to do that kind of uh, activity because that's fraud. So let's keep it legal, move into the property, live there for a year, and then you're going to have that savings rate of whatever you were paying in rent, totally wiped. Start pocketing that money, start pocketing it, save it. You can buy another property in a year. Use that for your down payment for the next property.
0: So let's talk about your situation, Drew, uh, because you're going through a unique situation with your duplex right now. You've now done two uh, interest rate reductions, which has dramatically lowered your, your down payment while keeping FHA. And a lot of people talk mm. about refinancing out of FHA to a conventional, uh, but with your rate reductions while you're there, you're now going to move out and keep the FHA loan uh, and you can do that. Talk a little bit about your experience.
1: Yeah. So um, I did something called an FHA streamline um, and basically what it is, it's streamlined because I can refinance my loan without doing any paperwork. Um, and this is going to vary lender to lender. Um, so you can talk to your lender about it, but basically they called me and they were like, you know, mortgage rates are down and we're going to give you this offer and we're going to drop you down a percent. And I was like, okay, like, (laughs) why would you do this? Like, what, why would you just call me and tell me to do this? And like, you know, the, the reason is because rates are down and if I don't do it with them, I'm probably going to refinance with someone else or someone else is going to give me that offer. So they want to lock it in with me, which is great. Um, well with an FHA streamline, you can actually do that every six months. So I was actually able to do that again because mortgage rates went down even more. So in another six months, I was able to do the streamline again, again, like I, it's my primary residence. I didn't have to fill out any paperwork or anything. As long as it's my primary residence and I still live here, I can streamline it with no paperwork and I've dropped my interest rate now 2% because of this. Um, and it's really made an impact on my, um, monthly payment.
0: And you're, uh, you're almost at $300, I believe in, in, in reduction just because of interest rate reductions, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It dropped, uh, over $300 because of that.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, that's a dramatic amount of money that you're now pocketing long-term and you're going to and, and keep the FHA in place, which is a possibility. I mean, people talk about PMI, but it, from our point of view, that is such a small, uh, you know, so, so for instance, if you're looking at buying a 20% down, um, the the higher interest rate is going to equal your PMI payment. No ifs, ands, or buts, buts about it. You do not get the same interest rate if you're a, uh, a traditional investor as you would a primary resident. So this whole talk about paying PMI is such a small cost to pay for the fact you get the mm-hmm. dramatically lower down payment. Uh, and you're going to pay that anyways in, a, in, in uh, interest rate, in a higher interest rate being an investor. So uh, talk a little bit about your plans to move out and keep the FHA.
1: Yeah. So uh, just back to the PMI real quick, PMI is mortgage insurance. Um, It's called PMI or MIP, depending on the loan. And you have to pay mortgage insurance when you pay less than 20% on a house. Or if you do an FHA loan, so conventional less than 20%, when you hit that 20% mark, the mortgage insurance drops off. When you do a FHA loan, that mortgage insurance is on the loan for the life of the loan. But... It's not like everyone makes it out to be like this horrible thing because it costs you $150, $120 a month, uh, whatever it ends up being, depending on the size of your loan. You just factor that into your numbers, right? Like it's part of your analysis. And once you just factor it into your numbers and then you look at what you could rent the property for, you go, oh, why wouldn't I pay an extra $100 a month or $150 a month so I could get into a property for three and a half percent down? So it makes a lot of sense. And if you consider the fact that our parents, they had to put
0: 10 or twenty down on, on their primary residences, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. All right. And, and I, on top of that, interest rates were double or triple what they are now. Um, and so we have the benefit now of putting three and a half percent down on a primary multi-unit property. Um, and, and the only cost to us is a minor, uh, you know, MIP or PMI payment which again is just the cost of doing business you're going to pay that in interest if you do a 20% down trust me i've seen the numbers um so so again it's not that big of a deal you factor it in long term you can do a rate reduction like you've done or you just move out and you keep that and uh, or you can refinance to a conventional whatever you choose to do there are options down the road it's not that big of a deal it's the cost of doing business so so again throughout this whole thing what we're trying to Uh, formulate for you is the fact that we can, you know, through house hacking, get you to reduce your budget by 30% or more uh, of the cost of living. If you can live for free buying a duplex, triplex or quad or renting by the bedroom. I mean, honestly, your numbers look a lot better if you buy a three or four bedroom and rent by the bedroom in a lot of markets Uh, and whether you Airbnb or either way, you can dramatically lower your cost of living, potentially cash flow. Uh, and house hacking allows you to do it. It's an absolute fantastic way to go about, uh, saving money long-term, building a portfolio and ultimately getting to financial freedom.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing strategy. I mean, it's really going to slingshot you into becoming a successful real estate investor and house hacking is the gateway to doing whatever else you might want to do in real estate. Um, house hacking is going to teach you to be a property manager on site. It's going to teach you how to buy property. Um, it's going to teach you how to manage those properties. Um, you're going to understand how to analyze properties better after that. And it's it's low risk. It's low barrier of entry. And what it's going to do is it's going to enable you. It's going to be sort of training wheels in a sense to teach you how to become a big time real estate investor.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So again, we, we genuinely appreciate you guys being along for this ride. Uh, we appreciate you being involved with the community. We genuinely encourage you to please get involved, uh, comment, help people along. I mean, the whole reason that we've started this is just to grow a community so we can help each other achieve whatever it is that matters most to us. Uh, And it it doesn't matter what matters most to Drew or myself. And what matters most is what matters to you and what you wanna do with your life. And we wanna help you Mm -hmm. to ultimately get to that point. So get involved, rate and review our podcast so we can grow this and 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 attract more and more people to the community so we can help you help yourself and help everyone involved and that together we can all get to financial freedom we genuinely appreciate it we hope you guys have a fantastic day we appreciate you joining in and until the next episode this is drew and myself we appreciate you being along
1: all right we'll see you at the next one it's going to be a good one so make sure you tune in